Evaluation part seven in the final of Garar Bring Up Harpazo, the appearing and the second coming of Messiah Yeshua. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I really believe it was the Lord speaking to Brother David as he shared uh, during the portion there before he led us into worship. And I felt inspired of the Lord prior to David even saying this for us to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 as we begin today's message today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll be beginning in verse number 1. We know that when the tent which houses us here on earth is torn down, Rashaul speaking of the future, we have a permanent building from God, a building not made by human hands to house us in heaven. For in this tent, our earthly body, we groan and desire to have around us the home from heaven that will be ours. How many times have I heard in these last years, believers asking the Lord, Lord, why don't you simply take us home? Desiring that heavenly home going forward here. Verse three, with this around us, we will not be found naked. Yes, while we are in this body, we groan with the sense of being oppressed. It is not so much that we want to take something off, but rather we want to put something over it so that what must die may be swallowed up by life. I really believe the Lord spoke to David today. And when David shared that one verse there with us, moreover, it is God who has prepared us for this very thing. And as a pledge, he has given us his Ruach, his spirit. So we are always confident. We know that so long as we are at home in this body, we are away from our home with the Lord. Think about the distinction right now. What separates us from the Lord right now is our carnal nature, this earthly home. But God has promised in the future that that body will be transformed going forward. For we live by trust, not by what we see. Just think about people in the world right now running to and fro, not knowing what's going to happen next. But we have a hope in God's eternal word, which is written upon our own hearts. Verse 8, we are confident then that and would much prefer to leave our home in the body and to come to our home with the Lord. Therefore, whether at home or away from home, we must put our utmost, try our utmost to please him. The Lord, for we must all appear before Messiah's court of judgment, where everyone will receive the good or bad consequences of what he did while he was in this body. Does that now call us into account? How are we living now? Understand this. Rav Shaul is warning us. 
And just think about as Yeshua gave those illustrations of those uh, 10 young virgins that were on the way to the wedding feast. We're to prepare ourselves and allow the spirit of living God to speak truth to us going forward here. So it is with fear of the Lord before us that we try to persuade people. Moreover, God knows us as we really are. There's nothing hidden before the Lord. And I won't mention this one person's name, but many of us know this person's name. This person's true life has been revealed. And a lot of believers are aghast about what has happened to this individual. This person appeared to be a champion of the good news. But his true nature, his true life, this life that the Lord knew all the days that this individual lived upon this earth. We have to take into account what we do, what we say, what we truly believe. Do we have two different lives that we live before the Lord? Or is there yet one? Do we offer in First Corinthians? Uh, uh, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, do we offer our bodies as a holy and living sacrifice unto the Lord? Or do we have two lives that we live on this earth? We're only deceiving ourselves. Now, what Paul is calling us right now into account of this going forward here. God knows us as we really are. And I hope that your conscience, you too know us as we really are. We are not recommending ourselves to, to you again by giving you a reason to be proud of us so that you will be able to answer those who boast about a person's appearance rather than his inner qualities. See, God is going to allow more and more people who appear to be God's servants to be revealed what they truly are. And those who have been living their lives out before the Lord in holiness shall shine. And they will reflect the glory of the Lord. But we're living these last days when the Lord's going to reveal those sheeps in wolves' clothing, those false apostles and prophets that are in our midst. And don't be aghast. Do not be surprised. Because Rav Shaul warned before he left this earth that there would become ravenous wolves who would come upon and into the body of Messiah. But their nature, their inclination would be revealed. So let us go forward. I'll reread this verse here, verse 12. We are not recommending ourselves to you again, but giving you a reason to be proud of us so that you will be able to, to answer those who boast about a person's appearance rather than his inner qualities. If we are insane, it is for God's sake. And if you are sane, it is for your sake. For the Messiah's love has told us, because we are convinced that one man died on the behalf of all mankind, which implies that all mankind was already dead, and that he died on behalf of all in order that those who should live not live any longer for themselves. Are you living for yourselves today? That's a question we need to ask ourselves. If we're not living for the Lord, it shall be revealed. Nothing is hidden before his eyes. Let's go forward here. 
verse 15, and he died, Messiah, on behalf of all, in order that those who live should no longer no longer live for themselves, but for the one who on their behalf died and was raised. Know this, one day those who are sleeping in the grave shall be raised from the dead. And the inner qualities that they shine for the Lord shall be revealed. Going forward here. So from now on, we do not look at anyone from a worldly viewpoint. Even if we once regarded the Messiah from a worldly viewpoint, we do, no, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is united with Messiah, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Look, what has come is fresh and new. And it is from God, who through Messiah has reconciled us to himself and has given us a work of reconciliation. So what is the, the work of the body of Messiah to do today? Are they to be building mega congregations? No. They are to be reconciling individuals into the kingdom. Therefore, we are ambassadors. When Hasatan puts you down, you can stand before Hasatan or anyone and say to them, I am an ambassador of Messiah. Going forward. In effect, God is making his appeal through us. See, God speaks to the world through us. The lost and dying in the world, how are they going to hear the hope of God's salvation? By us living out our lives and by allowing the Spirit to speak through us. What we do is appeal on behalf of Messiah. And we are whatever the world we're to say to them. Be reconciled to God. Do teshuva, repent of your sins, and be reconciled unto God. God made this sinless man to be sin offering on our behalf, so that in union with him we might fully share in God's righteousness. So that is the work that the Lord has established us to do and to accomplish on this earth. Now let us look at the book of Matthew, continuing the theme of Messiah's appearing and his second coming. There is a time period between these two events. Here Yeshua is speaking to his Dahomedim in Matthew chapter 24. Let us begin in verse 29. Matthew 24, verse 29. And Yeshua said, but immediately following these troubled times, the sun will grow dark, the moon will stop shining, and the stars will fall from the sky, and all the powers in heaven will be shaken. Now this has not come, but this is what he's saying just prior to his second coming where he lands on the Mount of Olives. This shall take place. And it will be undeniable to anyone that is living at that time. Their full attention will be then on Yeshua's appearing and coming down on the Mount of Olives. Going forward here in verse 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And all the tribes of the land will mourn him. 
They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with tremendous power and glory. And think it in the context here. The stars are now blackened. The sun no, no, no longer shines. The, new, the moon does not reflect the sun any longer. And just think of that backdrop. The whole sky, the whole upper part of the Earth's atmosphere is complete black. And then the Shekinah, the Shekinah glory of Messiah appears in the sky. Don't you think that everyone that's living in the land of Israel and those now who have the capability, who have satellites in different areas in the atmosphere are now recording at that moment the appearance of the Son of Man, the Son of God, descending upon the clouds and coming down to earth and his feet resting on the Mount of Olives. Going forward here. And he will send out his angels with a great shofar. And they will gather together his chosen people from the four, four winds, from one end of heaven to another. Now let us look at the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. This gives us even more insight. Who's speaking here in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1? But Rav Shaul, Yeshua's entrusted apostle, Shalakim, a called out one. Verse 1. But in connection with the coming of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. Now he's speaking about his not only appearing in the clouds, but coming down upon the earth. And gathering together to meet him, we ask you, brothers, not to be easily shaken, shaken in your thinking or anxious because of a spirit or a spoken message or a letter supposedly from us claiming that the day has already come. And what is he speaking in connection of? Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 41. And I have to share this with you in the context. Stay in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. The sun will go, grow dark. Has this ever happened before? No. The moon will stop shining. The stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Going back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2. So I don't want you, my brothers, to be easily shaken in your thinking or anxious because of spirit or spoken message or a letter supposedly from us claiming that the day of the Lord has already come. The day of his visitation on this earth. So that now being clarified in your minds, let's go to verse 3. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. Now who's speaking this to us? 
and to the, those recipients of the, those congregations in Thessalonica, but Rashul, a trusted apostle. For the day will not come until after the apostasy. See, now he's giving now clear signs. See, because Harpazo, Garar, when the rapture comes and the seizing away of the bride of Messiah, both Jews and Gentiles, one and Messiah, there's no uh, things that are set out and say, you got to look for this. And once this happens, this is going to happen. And next, A, B, C, D, E, F, G in sequence. But Rav Shaul is giving them proof upon proof this is going to take place. And Yeshua's own words that we read in Matthew 24, uh, verses 29 through 31. So let's go back to 2 uh, Thessalonians 2, verse 3. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For the day of the Lord will not come until after the apostasy. In the Greek, that word is apostasia has come. Some believers who put their trust shall fall away. Why? Because they look at the deceptiveness of Hasatan. Going forward here. The man, now it's introduced a man now. A specific man. He's not speaking about Messiah, but the anti-Messiah. And the man who separates himself from Torah has been revealed. Notice this. These things have to happen before the Lord comes back upon this earth to bring about his judgment upon this earth and that he walks through the golden gate in Jerusalem and sets up his kingdom. Let's go back at the beginning here, verse 3 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for the day will not come. And what is the day? The day of God's visitation through Yeshua on this earth. Will not, for the day will not come until after the following away has come. And the man who separates himself from Torah has been revealed. The one who's been destined for what? For doom, destruction. See, there's no redemptive plan ever for this anti-Messiah, this antichrist, to come to a saving knowledge and faith in Messiah. This is appointed individual, just like Judas of Iscariot. He was appointed to be the betrayer. So is this individual. But this individual goes beyond betraying Messiah. He says to the world that he is literal, the Messiah. And not only that, that he is also God. Let's go forward here into verse number four. He will oppose himself to everything. Isn't that a remarkable statement? He will so be so self-absorbed in his self. He will promote himself and is himself only. 
This will be the greatest egomaniac who has ever walked the face of this earth, this anti-Messiah. In direct contrast to Yeshua, he was willing to lay down his life for his greatest creation, you and I. Let's go forward here. He will oppose himself to everything that people call a God. Notice it is small God, G. Or make an object of worship. He will put himself above them all. He will have the personality and the characteristics of the adversary dwelling within him. Because did not the adversary say that he shall put his throne, his own throne, in the north of all heavens? That's one of the proclamations of the adversary, Hasatan, who is the devil. He will oppose himself to everything that the people call a god or make object of worship. He will put himself above them all so that he will sit in the temple of God. Notice here, the word God is capital G. What temple is it speaking of? But the third temple. There's not a temple in Jerusalem. So know this, that there has to be a third temple before the great falling away happens, before this anti-Messiah has been revealed. Let's go forward here. He will sit in the temple, that's verse 4, and proclaim that he himself is a God. Notice, it's capital G. He's usurping the authority. And he's saying to the world, I am the one who has created all things. And you are to worship me, him speaking, and me alone. Let us turn quickly to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 28, verse 2. Ezekiel, chapter 28, verse 2. Because Rav Shaul did not speak in a vacuum away from the foundational stones of what the uh, Tanakh reveals. So turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 2. Human being, Adonai is now addressing Ezekiel. He referred to him as human being. Tell the prince of Zeor that Adonai Elohim says, because you are proud and you have said, I am a God. Notice there, little g. Going forward. And I sit on the throne of God. Notice there, this is not small letter g. This is large letter g. Surrounded by sea, yet you are a man and not a God, large G. Even though you think that, that you think like a God, large G. This is the reference point where Rav Shaul is speaking to those 
in Thessalonica and also to all those who would come and even us today who would be reading and meditating upon these scriptures and allowing the spirit of the living God to take the Tanakh and interject it into our hearts and minds so that we would see the firm foundational stones, the interweaving of the scriptures. Now back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5. Don't you remember that when I was with you? See, now Rachel was speaking directly to those in the Thessalonica Messianic community. Don't you remember when I was with you? He goes on to say, I used to tell you these things. He's giving them and saying, these are things that I already taught before I was sent away from you. See, he went to Thessalonica to establish a Messianic community there. And he was successful. And so he told them all these things. So he, now he's asking them, remember? Because they don't have scrolls to read. They're before them. But now they have this letter. And think about the elder, the lead elder of that congregation. He's now reading this letter to the people. And they're getting joy and hope because they truly believed that they missed out on both the appearing of Yeshua in the sky and also his second coming. And that's why Rashaul had to share those words with them. That this, these things will take place first. So they would understand in chronological order. Just as we believers today, there's a lot of things being taught right now throughout all the internet and different congregations. And people are in the point of being confused because they don't meditate on what the scriptures say and test everything that is being taught. We're to be a people of the book, to have God's full understanding. And know this, that the Spirit of the living God was given to us to lead us into all truth. But we are to search the scriptures, just like Rashaul said to the men of Berea. They're the most honorable of all. Why? Because everything that he said, anytime he gave his opinion on the scripture, they searched the scriptures to find out what he said, if it were even true. We as believers today, we have to incorporate that in our daily lives so that we walk in the truth. Let's go forward here. Verse number five. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is restraining. And what is restraining here? The one who's restraining here is the Ruach HaKodesh. See, no president, no world dictator, nobody can do anything unless the Father allows him to do it. Otherwise, mankind would destroy himself. Let's go forward here. And now you know what is restraining. And I put in parentheses, I add the Ruach HaKodesh, so that he now, he's not speaking about the Messiah here. So that he, the anti-Messiah, I put in parentheses, that he may be revealed in his own time. 
Just as Yeshua, when he proclaimed the good news and he did all these miracles, he told his Talmudim, shh, be silent. My appointed time has not come. And likewise, in reverse now, Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, is speaking to these Thessalonian believers and saying this to you. The revelation of who this anti-Messiah, these things need first to take place. And that he who is a restrainer is holding back the revelation of who this anti-Messiah is. Once he sidesteps and allows for this revelation to come, then you'll know that it is he, the anti-Messiah, has come. Let's continue here in the scriptures. Then the one, verse 7, for already this, I have to go to verse 6, and now you know what is restraining the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, so that he, the Antimessiah, may be revealed in his own time. Verse number seven. For already this separating from Torah is at work secretly. Just as people who appear to be godly men and women do things in secret, the appointed time of the revelation of their true hearts and nature will one day be revealed. This is by the orchestration of the Ruach HaKodesh, who's been calling them into repentance. But notice this, the Entom Messiah will never repent of his evil. Let's go forward here. For already this suffering from Torah is at work secretly, but it be secretly only until he, the Ruach HaKodesh, who is restraining is out of the way. The Ruach HaKodesh will remain upon this earth through the great tribulation and when Yeshua comes back and lands on the Mount of Olives. But he will stop restraining. It's like he will step aside and allow these things to be orchestrated because this is the will of the Father. God's holy presence will be removed with his kihilat, his call-out ones, the bride of Messiah, at Yeshua's appearing, that revelation will be removed to the earth. And as we get later into the book of Revelation, as we're working through our Bible study, we will see the 144,000 from the 12 tribes of Israel, and they will be sealed and anointed to preach and proclaim the good news to everyone there is living on the earth. And those two witnesses will come and they will speak and they will have the power to call down fire from heaven. And also there will be angels proclaiming the good news. The body of Messiah, the Kihilat, the called out ones, the Messianic community, the church will no longer be there when this anti-Messiah is being revealed. God is starting a new brand new program. Let's go forward here. For already this separating from Torah is at work secretly, but it is secretly only until he, the Ruach HaKodesh, who is restraining, is out of the way. Verse 8, then the one, the anti-Messiah, I put in parentheses, who embodies, who's the embodiment of separation from Torah will be revealed. 
that those who were living on the earth at that time, not the Kehillah, because they've been taken away, to be with the Lord, ever presence with the Lord, but those who do not know the Lord, who are living on the earth, he shall be revealed to them. Not as the anti-Messiah, because they're going to believe that he is the one true God-man. Let's go forward here. Verse 28. Verse 8, excuse me. Then the one who embodies separation from Torah will be revealed, the anti-Messiah. The one whom the Lord Yeshua will slay in the future with the breath of his mouth and destroy and destroy by the glory of his coming. So what is the first thing what, what Yeshua will do when he descends on the Mount of Olives? He will slay. He will put to death the anti-Messiah, according to what the scripture says. Where now is our foundation stones in the Tanakh? We would turn to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 4. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 4. But he will judge the impoverished justly, and he will de decide fairly for the humble of the land. And he will strike the land with a rod from his mouth, and he will slay the wicked with the breath from his lips. Who's the he here? But Messiah Yeshua, when he descends on the clouds and lands on the Mount of Olives. Now let's go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. And hold your place, Sarah, we'll be referring back and forth to that. 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. And when this man, the anti-Messiah, put in parentheses, avoids Torah, comes. The adversary. And who is the adversary? To every man, woman, and child who's ever lived on this earth, especially the nation of Israel, but Hasatan himself. See, because now the Ruach HaKodesh has stepped aside and allowed the orchestration of God's fulfilling word for the anti-Messiah to arrive and to lead people astray, to believe that he is the one true Messiah. And for a time, the nation of Israel will be deceived on this deception. But when his true nature is revealed, then they are commanded to flee. Let's go forward here in verse 9. When this man, the anti-Messiah, avoids Torah, comes, the adversary will what? Hasatan, the angel of light, Lucifer, will give him the power. Who are we empowered by? The Ruach HaKodesh to build God's kingdom. But now here's another kingdom that's now being built by an anti-Messiah, and he's empowered by whom? Hasatan himself, the father of deception, the father of all lies. The adversary will give him, who's the him here? Single person, the anti-Messiah. The power to work all kinds of false miracles 
signs and wonders. You know what? There are, there are things appearing in the skies right now. People who are Roman Catholics are seeing appearings of Mary, the mother of Jesus, in the sky. And there are even Muslim people who are flocking to these areas and seeing these appearances, these false representations of God's kingdom. And many are being dissuaded. Pope Francis today is trying to reconcile all world religions into one. You know, one of the things that he believes, he believes this, that Yeshua Jesus did, did not raise from the dead. Is he the false prophet, which the book of Revelation speaks of? That will be revealed in your time. And even if he dies and is taken away, could not one of the future popes arise and to fulfill the office of a false prophet? If you notice even today, nations are coming together as never before. One global world government, one global world currency, one global world religion is all coming about just as God has spoken. The Tower of Babel, man wants to resurrect. Let's go forward here with the scripture. When this man, the anti-Messiah, avoids Torah comes, the adversary will give him power to work all kinds of false miracles, signs, and wonders. Who's speaking this? The Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. And he's warning, this is going to take place. This anti-Messiah will have that at his beck and call. False miracles, signs, and wonders. Going on to verse 10. He, the adversary, Hasatan, will enable him, the anti-Messiah, the Antichrist, to what? To deceive. What have we learned from the character of Hasatan? He is the father of all lies. He is the father of all deception. Let's continue here in verse 10. He will enable him to deceive in all kinds of wicked ways, those who are headed for what? For destruction. Because they would not receive the love of the truth. What is the love of the truth? That Yeshua died upon the tree and he rose from the dead that they could have eternal life if they repent of their sins. He will enable him to deceive all kinds of, of wicked ways, those headed for destruction, because they would not receive the love of the truth that could save them but of their own choice. See, they know the truth, but they deny it openly, wantonly. They deny the truth of Yeshua's redemption plan for their lives. 
going forward. That is why God, now this is very, very frightening, this next verse here. That is why God is causing them to go astray. Basically, for me to condense this, God is saying, fine, is that the way you want to go? I truly revealed my plan for you to redeem you through my son. But you choose to go your own way, so be it. Go on to the path, the broad path that leads to destruction. Verse 11, this is why God is causing them to go astray, so that they will believe what? The lie. Did not Pharaoh harden his own heart? And likewise, these people were living upon the face of the earth at that time will also harden their hearts. Where it's impossible for them to be redeemed. Because God is powerless? No, because God has given every man and woman a, their own free will. And it can turn at any time. A person who's put their trust in Messiah can one day decide, well, I don't want to walk with God anymore. God has given us our own free will. So when we worship the Lord, do we do it at our own free will? See, God wants to inhabit the heavens with people who've been redeemed by the blood of his lamb, by people who have chosen to love God with all hearts, souls, and minds, and to put to death their carnal nature. Let's go forward here. Verse 12. The result will be that all who had not believed the truth but have taken their pleasure in wickedness will be what? Condemned. Now, is, is Adonai condemning them? No, they're condemning themselves. By their own consciences, by their own free wills. Let's go forward here. So here's commentary. Although God's people may endure severe trials before Messiah Yeshua comes, the Kihilat, the body of Messiah Yeshua, his bride, both Jews and Gentiles, one of Messiah, will experience what? Harpazo being cut away, raptured before the period called the Great Tribulation or Yaakov's trouble. In 2 Thessalonians 2, Rav Shaul indicated certain things must take place before the day of the Lord. That's the day of his wrath, the day of his judgment, his final judgment, which is the great tribulation, Yaakov's trouble is a part that must begin in the future. So now let us look even closer to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. But in connection with the coming of the Lord, we have to familiarize ourselves with the scripture. And how we do it? By reading it yet again, yet again, yet again. Before, so that the Spirit of living God can reveal his deeper truths. And to, for us to know it like we know the back of our hands. Or for us to recite the Shema. We're able to do that now without even thinking about the words we're saying. But we should relish those words. Let's go forward. 
verse number one. But in connection with the coming of the Lord Yeshua the Messiah, our gathering together to meet him, and this is not speaking of on the Mount of Olives, but in the air, Harpazo caught up. We ask you, brothers, not to easily be shaking in your thinking or anxious because of the spirit or spoken message or letter from us claiming that the day of the Lord, Yeshua's return to earth, has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for the day will not come until after the apostasy has, and the man, the anti-Messiah, who separates himself from Torah, God's truth, has been revealed, the one destined for doom. He will oppose himself to everything that the that people call God, small g, or make object to worship. He will put himself above them all, so that he will sit in the temple of God, capital G, and proclaim that he himself is a what? He is the main God, capital G. Now, verse 5. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is restraining, so that he, the Antimessiah, may be revealed in his Antimessiah time. Verse 7. For already this separating from Torah, the truth, is at work secretly, but it will be secretly only until he, the Ruach HaKodesh, who is restraining, is out of the way. Or he simply stands aside, allows God to orchestrate all that he has spoken through the prophets. Going forward here, verse 8. Then the one who embodies the separation from Torah, the truth, the anti-Messiah, will be revealed. The one anti-Messiah whom the Lord Yeshua, the lion of the tribe of Judah, that's what I've added, shall slay with the breath of his mouth and, and, and be destroyed by the glory of his Yeshua's coming. You know what it says in Job chapter 4, verse 9? It says this. At the breath from God, they perish. And who is Job speaking of? The wicked. At the blast from his anger, they are consumed. That's what it speaks in Job chapter uh, 4, verse 9. Back to 2 Thessalonians 5. 2 Thessalonians uh, 5, 9. When this man, the anti-Messiah, who avoids Torah, the truth comes, the adversary will give him power to work all kinds of false miracles, signs, and wonders. Verse 10. And he, the adversary, will enable him, the anti-Messiah, to deceive all kinds of wicked ways. Those who are headed for destruction because they would not receive the love of the truth that could have saved them. This is why God is causing them to go astray, so that they will believe the lie. The result will be that all who have not believed in the truth, but have taken their pleasure in wickedness, will be condemned. So now just looking at, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. We've already heard these scriptures read over and over to us, but this is what it will take place in a synopsis. The adversary will give him power to work all kinds of false miracles and signs and wonders. The adversary is mentioned in 
Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. And that was at the time after Yeshua had gone underneath the water's immersion and he rose from the waters of immersion. And then he went and he was led by the Spirit to be what? To be tempted by the adversary. Also, Revelation chapter 13, which I will not read to us today. But if you want to focus on Revelation chapter 13, it reveals that process and the power and authority that the anti-Messiah will receive from the adversary. And this provides the man who avoids Torah with supernatural powers to deceive because of his evil inclination. You know, we also have an evil inclination within us. It's called our fallen nature. And at the time when the Lord comes back, those who are alive and those who are in the grave shall rise up and their carnal nature will finally be put to death and we will receive our glorified bodies. Going forward here, because of the evil inclination, some refusing to, to love the truth have gone astray and believed a lie. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, following the passage on Harpazo Kadaway in chapter 4, Rav taught about the day of the Lord, and he warned of the destruction would bring the wicked. In verses 2 and 3, he was quick to assure Messianic believers that those who abide in Yeshua would not be overtaken by it. Why? Because we will not be on the earth at that time. We will be with the Lord in the air and go going on to the presence of the Father dwelling in heaven. So now, speaking of the day of the Lord. So now, speaking of the day of the Lord, Shaul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, For God has not, for God has not attended, and I'll repeat that verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. For God has not attended that we should experience his fury or his wrath. He will not pour out his wrath upon his bride, his called out once, his kihilat. But that we should gain deliverance, that is, obtain of salvation through our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. So now here's commentary. It seems clear that Rav Shaul meant the deliverance of the Messianic believers from the judgments of the day of the Lord including the day of the Great Tribulation period. Messianic believers are told repeatedly in the Brit Hadishah, that's the New Testament, to be watchful for the, the Lord Yeshua's appearing. That's our hope of us being reconciled unto God. Never are they taught to watch for the Great Tribulation or the appearance of the anti-Messiah, the Antichrist. Going on, we are to expect such things must happen before the hapazel. We're never told that. Being caught away, the rapture. This destroys the teaching of eminence, meaning that any moment the Lord can appear in the sky. It can happen right now. As I'm speaking to you, the Lord can appear, and we would be then taken from the presence of this earth to be with the Lord. And our bodies would be transformed immediately. And the dead, the Messiah would rise from the dead. And they would be, their bodies would change and they'd immediately be 
be with him. Those us who are alive, as First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18 tells us and teaches us his truth, this will take place. Going forward here, Messianic believers are told to wait for his son Yeshua to come from heaven. First Thessalonians 1.10 says this, and to wait for his son Yeshua, whom he raised from the dead, to appear from heaven and rescue us from the impending fury and wrath of God's judgment. So you and I will not live in or through the great tribulation. Let's go forward here. When the signs, this commentary, when the signs of the end of age are evident, they are, we are to look up what? Look up for your redemption draws near. To lift up their heads in expectation of the redemption and not the great tribulation. In Luke chapter 21, verse 28, it says these exact words. When these things start to happen, stand up, hold your heads high, because you're about to be what? Liberated. Set free from the cares and trappings of this earth. Going on in commentary. The sign of Messiah Yeshua's coming will be, full, be fulfilled before Yeshua's public appearing to everyone here on the earth. But they do not have to be fulfilled before Harpazo, the great catch away or the rapture. Any teaching, teachings that certain events must transpire before Harpazo, Rapture being caught away is out of harmony with the teachings of the eminence any moment of the Lord's returning at any second. It is consistent with God's dealing with his people in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament, to believe that the Messianic community, the called out ones, will be removed from the world before the Great Tribulation. One example and illustration, here's one for us. God did not send the flood until Noah and his family were safe in the ark. And he, God, closed the entrance of the door. Did he or any members of his nuclear family, his three sons and their three wives, did they receive the wrath of the flood upon their own lives? No. He raised them up above it. it. Says that every living creature on the earth perished except for them. Going forward here, God did not destroy Sodom until Lot and his wife and two daughters were taken out and brought to safety. The weight of the scripture supports pre-tribulation, garar in the Hebrew, harpazo, caught away rapture. When Whenever teachings about the second coming occurs in the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament, eminence, any moment, is underscored, the focal point. To interpose other events before Harpazo being caught away rapture does violence to such teaching. When Messianic believers are looking forward to the coming of Messiah Yeshua, it is well to remind ourselves 
of Rav Shaul's words in Titus. And we'll finish the message today, this seven-part message today, now in Titus chapter 2. Turn with me now to Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For by God's grace, which brings deliverance, he has appeared to all people. It teaches us to renounce godlessness, in some translations, ungodliness, and worldly pleasures, in certain translations, lusts, and to live self-controlled lives, to live soberly, upright, in some translations, righteously, and godly lives in this age, in this present world. So how are we to conduct ourselves? That verse has given us our marching orders. Going forward in verse 13, while continuing to expect the blessed fulfillment of our certain hope, which is what? The appearing of the Shekinah, the Shekinah of our great God and the appearing of our deliverer, his appearing in the clouds, Yeshua the Messiah. Verse 14, he, Yeshua, gave himself on behalf in order to free us from all violation. In some translations, iniquity of Torah. Violations to Torah and purify himself, a people, a peculiar people, an alms gula, a special people, both Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah, by the empowering and the equipping of the Ruach HaKodesh to prepare his bride without spot or wrinkle. That is what Messiah is coming back for a bride who has her heart toward him and him alone and long for his appearing. As I shared very, very earlier in this message, when we started in phase one, as the bride was waiting for her bridegroom to come, she went about the busyness of the day, but she was always listening and thinking, is tonight the night when my beloved comes? And when the father said to the bridegroom, now go and fetch, go now and gather your bride unto yourself. He would be accompanied by his friends and there would be music playing. There will be a musical instrument played when the Lord calls us to be with him in the clouds. We, the bride of Messiah, we will hear the shofar blast. You know this? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, no one else on the earth hears that trumpet blast, that shofar, but the bride of Messiah. And she looks up towards the clouds and sees her beloved bridegroom coming. And she goes to be with him forevermore. Continuing here, verse 14. He, Yeshua, gave himself 
on our behalf in order to free us from all violation of the Torah and to purify for himself. Have you not been in the process of being purified by the Ruach HaKodesh in your preparation? For himself, purifying for himself a peculiar people, an Am's Gula, or a special people. Who will be what? His own. He's inscribed his name upon his hands. Who would be his own and eager to go, to go, to do good. Shabbat Shalom.